What is good, guys and gals, and welcome to the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 40. I am your host, Afif. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, man, I'm just glad to be back uh, hosting another episode. Um, yeah, I know episode 39 is taking some time downloading, so if you're watching this and you already saw episode 39, what I'm trying to say is thank you for your patience on both this episode and episode 39, uh, despite minor delays regarding uploading and uh, time consumption, busy schedule, internet speeds, and all that. So thank you anyway, power cuts especially. So thank you for your patience and your time. There, There's a lot I'm actually excited to talk about for this episode. Just a quick review reaction on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, plus sharing my thoughts regarding the complete brand change of Twitter. And uh, I want to have fun talk, uh, talking about who would I want as a guest wish list of my own for the new Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat 1. And also, this might be the first time I'm thinking maybe go more into sports. So I do want to talk about some major contracts from both Kylian Mbappe and Jalen Brown. Uh, plus, how how's Barbenheimer doing? Talk about more about Barbenheimer, and just reacting to some TV shows I've been watching recently. They're not like brand new or anything, but some of them I've just been able to catch up on. I just give my quick thoughts about them. So uh, that's just something I'm excited to do. Looking forward to do so as well. But like, yeah, again, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, please a comment and a subscribe as always is much appreciated interaction engagement is always welcome um you know follow like and follow the social media pages that i will provide as always in the links below uh what else yeah if you're listening on anrami on spotify google podcasts that's uh again great much appreciated as well so thank you but yeah, I don't want to delay any further this part here. So yeah, let's get going from here on out for episode 40 of the Films and Pixels. All right, so first topic, obviously I do want to react and review Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. As expected, the cast of the previous films, last two, three movies come back. Tom Cruise, Rebecca Ferguson, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames could see him again. New additions like Haley Atwell, Vanessa Kirby as well. And uh, I, I honestly forgot the name who plays the antagonist, Gabriel, but, uh, you know, he was a great cast member as well as the antagonist. And Christopher McQuarrie, uh, good to have him back as the director after how well he did with Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, Dead Reckoning Part 1, a stellar movie. Really, like, as far as summer blockbuster action entertainment movies go, this is the one. This is the one you go watch. And I got to say, I think Tom Cruise is on a bit of a winning streak. I mean, remember last year? He did a great job as actor and producer for uh, Top Gun Maverick. And to have a similar role on Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, uh, because, I mean... What he says goes. I mean, let's be honest. He's he's Tom Cruise, so yeah. So for him to really be in charge of this movie and to work well with uh, Chris McHugh, 
Um, I, I just think everyone really did a great job. I Probably like one of my favorite scenes, I would say with the whole like chase, uh, cat and mouse chase sequence uh, around the Abu Dhabi airport. I thought that was uh, pretty cool while simultaneously, simultaneously like diffusing a nuclear bomb at the same time. Uh, but uh, and really successful. It's good that nothing catastrophic happened. That that would have been really insensitive, by the way, considering the location of the film sequence, that whole film movie scene. So, uh, and it would have caused controversy and be banned throughout the Middle East region. So let's be honest about that part too. But I, I thought that was really cool and the whole like X-ray technology. Well, one of the things I liked about this movie, I thought that Haley Atwell like was really a scene stealer. She really like made the most out of her performances throughout the movie, especially in scenes she shared with Tom Cruise. I thought she was really great here. And like as expected, once again, the plot has like one of those crazy nonsensical conspiracy theories with a high with like a you know power hungry world dominating organization. And it's not the syndicate like before. This time it's the entity. Whatever the entity is, we'll know further in part two. And of course, there's another shiny MacGuffin object that they all need to retrieve and look for and chase and go after and beat up each other and kill each other for. And it's like this key like in half, like it's like a small cross golden key, but it's like broken in half in two pieces. They got to keep it together and... What's inside it? What does it do? What does the entity want? Like, I don't like. I would say, don't think too hard about it. It's not a bad plot. I just think like it, it's just meant to be a fun blockbuster spy thriller action movie. That's what it is. But it's still great. I'm glad that there's the Ving Rhames and the Simon Pegg and the and the Rebecca Ferguson and and all that good stuff. And again, I really like the uh, car chase sequence in Rome. And it's so ironic how there seems to now be like two major action movies that had scenes in Rome, obviously Fast X that came out in May and now uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's a bit ironic. I don't know if it was on purpose, but I just find it ir ironic how there were scenes for both movies in Rome with um, major action sequences, chase scenes, car chase scenes and all that. I thought that was interesting to notice. But I definitely like the tra train sequence in the third act. I thought that was really cool, especially in the end when uh, Ethan and Gabriel were, f were fighting each other. And then like how the train like almost stopped, but survived. And someone made a comment. I think it was on Facebook how um, part of that train, train sequence when... Um, I forgot her her character's name, but anyway, Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell are like trying to hang on. Oh yeah, her name is Grace in the movie. When Ethan and Grace were trying to hang on to the top ledges of the seat, right? And then the camera is like uh, on a downward shot, low, like uh, not high, like a low angle shot, like looking downwards. I hope I got the name properly, the, the camera shot name properly correct but it it took it like a little bit of inspiration from uncharted 2 among thieves uh from the video game itself when the first part of uncharted 2 like that whole 
uh, Nathan Drake trying to serve, trying to get out of a train crash and everything's falling apart. So that whole scene reminded me of Uncharted 2. And someone commented on about it on Facebook when looking at the comparison of the screenshots. So I thought that was really cool. I really liked those little cues, the little hints, a little bit of uh, inspiration here and there from uh, other action properties. You know, I thought that was that was really great, you know. But I mean, like, in order for us to really appreciate more of this movie, of course, we're going to see part two, maybe in a year or two, depending how the writer strike and actor strike goes. But this is still fantastic. Nonetheless, this is like nine out of 10, 10 out of 10, if you want to call it that. This is still a great movie. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's really Tom Cruise at his best, thrilling us. Tom Cruise, as always, running because, I mean, it's almost like in his contract, he has to run in every Mission Impossible movie in the same motion that he does. We know what we're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. We've seen it. We've seen the way Tom Cruise runs in most of his other movies. So, of course, as guaranteed, there's Tom Cruise running. So that's all that's expected. And, uh, and there's the um, prosthetic masks as well for some of the characters. So look for that to come back. But and also for one reason or another, CIA agents t chasing Tom Cruise supposedly be because he's a fugitive or wanted and so forth. But he's accused or he knows something, whatever. I'm not going to go into it. I remember Supposedly the reasons of being them being rogue agents, but for good reasons, and but they're wanted by the CIA and yada yada yada. So whatever. Still, to summarize it, another fantastic Mission Impossible movie. It seems like these movies have gotten better and better after each release, to the point where I don't remember much about the first two or three films. I think I remember Ghost Protocol. And then I think from Go Grow. What's wrong with me? From Ghost Protocol, it got better from there. But yes, if still in your local theaters, please go see this one before anything else. This topic, Twitter. I mean, I feel like I keep talking about Twitter and Elon Musk so many episodes throughout this podcast, but it seemed like for one reason or another, like he seems to at least grab our attention or maybe just me simply, but for the life of me, I don't seem to like understand how or why like this thinking of completely changing the brand logo no more blue bird no more blue white logo no more twitter name now it's just x we've seen the design we know what it looks like you know even neighbors who live near the twitter headquarters are complaining about how bright the x logo lights are i mean it's it's insane. I think it's in San Francisco, if I'm correct, or somewhere in California. But again, it's just insane, all these changes. I don't get his obsession with the letter X. SpaceX, Tesla X, a, a daughter named AAEX something, and now the letter X for his social media platform. I mean, Twitter X, okay, I understand Twitter X, but it's just X. There's nothing creative. It's just X. And yet everyone has to go along with it. And there's a new CEO. So forgive me if I don't remember the name or have it memorized, but I don't get how the Twitter CEO is okay with this. I don't understand how Twitter employees are just fine with it, going to work, 
who do you work for? I work for X. X as in what? Just X. Who is X? Elon X or Elon Musk X. Like X what? X we used to be Twitter. Oh, okay. So Twitter X. No, just X. What's the whole point? And yet even worse, they're going to lose a, val a bunch of money. Like the value will be dropped between $4 billion to $20 billion of value just to change it from the Twitter name, Twitter bird, to just black and white X. There's nothing smart or creative of X. If you call it Twitter X, that still would be a problem. But I mean, it's just at least merge the ideas together. Don't just completely change it. Just X. I mean, it would have been dumb if Mark Zuckerberg changed Facebook to just F or Adam Mosseri. I think I got the name right of the Instagram fo founder who, by the way, is moving away from London back to LA just because of uh, users on threads are dropping to to just uh, it's Instagram text or something or textagram or something, which sounds really stupid when I say it out loud, like instead of threads, like textagram, just so that people don't get it confused about, well, what is threads? Oh, it's Instagram, but with text. So let's call it textagram or threadagram or something like that would be really dumb, but still, I, oh my God. Uh, it's it's becoming a bit toxic anyway Twitter but for the life of me I I still I'm still gonna call it Twitter anyone asks me what it is it's still Twitter I still think it's Twitter it's forever Twitter to me I I'm not saying I love Twitter I just these changes have no logical sense it's just so dumb oh my god I don't understand how these rich people buy companies and yet make changes that have no sensical meaning. It's just so dumb. Oh my god. Sorry, I don't. I know I look like I sound like I care, but I mean, like you're losing between four billion to twenty billion dollars just to have your logo and brand identity change from Twitter it to X. Wow, X. Instead of Twitter X, like SpaceX or Tesla X or X E A E two or or I don't know, new mobile X phone or something. I mean, it sounds like he's so obsessed with the letter X. It's like he wants to be a cast member of the new X-Men movie, like, or be a producer of the X-Men films or something. I don't know. It's just really dumb at this point. But hey, you know what? He's rich. His problems, his money, he can do whatever he wants. It's, I mean, he's a shareholder. He can do whatever he wants. And yet he gets to get away with his crap. <sighs> and yet what's worse is that all the employees who work with him for him have to live with this crap. It's just awful. But hey, you know what? At least to me, it's still Twitter. Anyone that still calls it Twitter, thank you. At least you're smart enough to call it Twitter because calling it X just will cause confusion. All right, guys and gals. So I want to have fun with this topic. Now... Whenever there's anything going on with Mortal Kombat, you know, I'm always going to be very excited to look forward to it. I saw the Mortal Kombat movie that was on HBO Max. It's an improvement over the 90s one, despite there are a lot of cult fans that love those movies, or at least the first one. 
But the 2021 MK movie was pretty decent. So when there was an announcement trailer for Mortal Kombat 1, uh, the new MK game that is like a second reboot and completely resets the timeline, I, that's pretty exciting. And look, despite the fact that I don't own a next-gen console, but I do have a pretty powerful gaming, uh, pretty powerful gaming laptop. I, I mean, I, again, it's fine by me that it's not coming last gen PS4, Xbox One. Although it is kind of surprising that um, that somehow it is going to be on the Nintendo Switch. So the release date for Mortal Kombat One, PS5, Xbox Series, Nintendo Switch, and Windows on September 19. So that's pretty soon. But that's not why I'm I'm talking about it. I mean, I just want to talk about, like, sort of what would my guest list, what would I wish for it as a guest wish list be? That doesn't make sense. Who would I want as my my wish list of guests for Mortal Kombat 1? I mean, there was already a combat pack trailer that announcing Omni-Man from Invincible, Homelander from The Boys, Peacemaker from his spinoff TV show and Suicide Squad movie, as well as... Uh, Quan Chi, Ermac, and Takeda Takashi, uh, the son of Kenshi. So uh, that's pretty exciting. But I do have to say, regarding those three guest characters, Homelander, Omni-Man, and Peacemaker, I mean, it seems like there was an Amazon link that showing that they were going to be guest characters for the game. And the fact that it happened sometime after the announcement trailer in May, I was really disappointed. I thought that that was fake. Just like how there was supposedly a leak about Reptile being a DLC character for Mortal Kombat 11, but that didn't come to fruition. Still, it's cool that it's confirmed, but I just don't like how these things happen. Leaks, I don't know who or why people leak information to Amazon or wherever. It's, it's just not fun. It just ruins the hype and the excitement. Nonetheless, I am happy that it is true, but it's just not good for business anyway. You know what I mean? It just ruins the fun a little bit. But enough of that about that. I was thinking who are who are the guest characters that I would want? Which guest characters that I was thinking of that maybe that fit, you know, the Mortal Kombat games. After all, we saw in the previous timeline with the reboot, the first reboot, MK9 or Mortal Kombat 2011, which by the way, let me say one of my favorite fighting games of all time. To me, it's one of the greatest fighting games of all time. I still love that game to this day. It's one of my favorites. And while MKX, MK11, still really, really great fighting games, I do have a minor complaint about the microtransactions implementation. Sometimes it feels a bit forced, but it's not in the way or anything like that. It's just the microtransactions and sometimes a bit of a grind getting cosmetics but again it doesn't ruin the gameplay mk11 a bit of a slow pace but that's also fine you know compared to uh, aggressive fast speed of mkx so that and plus like mk9 the classic feel so that's just why it's one of my favorites but uh mk9 i mean guests had freddy krueger and for the ps consoles Kratos, and then of course we saw like Jason Voorhees, and um, for the sequels, Jason Voorhees, Alien, Predator, Texas Chainsaw for MKX, and then MK11 had 
Rambo, Spawn, The Terminator, Robocop. I mean, that, those were pretty cool. So if I had to pick, and although I'm not like a horror movie fan, but I think Pennywise the Clown would really fit. Now, I know he's a bit of a shapeshifter like uh, Shang Tsung, but I, I do think Pennywise would be a good fit. And yeah, we did have a clown character, the Joker. I should mention the, the Joker was another guest character. But I do think Pennywise would be a really great fit. Uh, another horror character. I was, I was actually thinking of Michael Myers. I don't know why for some reason I think Michael Myers would fit. I don't want to confuse with Michael Myers, the actor. Although that guy has Austin Powers is a bit irritating. <laughs> uh, but yeah... I, I don't know much. I, it's not like I, I see many of those movies. But <clears throat> I just think like characters like that would be a really good fit. Also, who was I thinking of? I, I don't know this name specifically of, but I know that there's like, you know, those Hollywood movie, Hollywood, yeah, Halloween, Halloween horror movies. I think that also stars Jamie Lee Curtis as well. So I like that. Halloween killer character, I think, would be a really great fit as well in those movies. I like that. While I don't think it's realistic, I, I, I just think it's a good fit as well. Not a terrible idea. There was another character I had in mind, but I'm not sure if it's a smart fit. I was thinking of Beetlejuice for some reason, as dumb as it might sound. I don't know why I thought of Beetlejuice. Maybe because ugly looking guy. I know that Beetlejuice is played by, uh, what's his name? Michael. Not Michael Bain. Oh my God. Oh my God. Can't believe I forgot the name. What's wrong with my mind? But yeah, I think you know who I'm talking about. That previously played uh, Batman and also Vulture. Oh my God. Kind of embarrassed. But yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? I, I also, you know what? Why not uh, the Goblin, Willem Dafoe's version of Goblin? I, that's a pretty good idea. I like that as well, now that I think about it. Yeah. Oof. Can't think of anyone else. But I mean, like horror movie characters, I think they fit well with the whole Mortal Kombat theme. I think that'd be really fun. I don't know. Who, who else would you want as a guest character? in Mortal Kombat 1. I mean, let me know. You know, I, I like fun ideas. Even though we don't think they're realistic, I think it's pretty cool. Someone from a movie that we might know. Any other movies? Wow. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway. But those are just ma mainly like my guest wish, guest wish list. But yeah, if you have any guests, you know, who would your predictions be? Let me know. Oh, you know what? Another name that actually does come to mind, I would say the Doom Slayer from Doom. I think he'd be a really great fit. But yeah, that's pretty much, that's just my thinking. That's just my idea. Although I don't think the Doom Slayer would ever come, but I like the idea of the Doom guy. I mean, because Doom is pretty gory as a first person shooter. So that would be really fun, but not likely if we're being honest. I mean, the licensing would take a lot of time and money, but still fun thought, so.
I can't believe the name of the Batman actor almost slipped my mind. I mean, it's Michael Keaton. I mean, he played Batman in 1989 and also came back for the Flash movie. And also, um, oh God, sequel Batman, uh, when Michael Keaton, he was here for the Flash, Batman in 1989. And, uh, oh wow. Stay with me, stay with me. And also Batman Returns in 1992. Those are great movies. So Batman and Batman Returns, 1989, 1992. I mean, he starred, he came back for the third time with Ezra Miller, Sasha Kale, Michael Shannon for the new Flash movie, which angered everyone just because of the poor CGI and plot. And plus it was a box office disappointment. But <clears throat> yeah, I quickly want to move on. Uh, you know what? I've been kind of thinking of going more into sports for this podcast. I thought a different podcast for sports. I even had a had it conceptualized, uh, calling it Ball Hard or Go Home. Years ago, I had an idea of a sports podcast called Ball Hard or, or Go Home. But the funny thing is I found a logo that it's from a, a kid sports recreation company somewhere in this, in America. So, I mean, I don't want to borrow a name of an established company, famous or not, but uh, I think it's just smart not to use a similar name. Still, I mean, it's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. So I'll just transition more into sports from here on out. So, which is why I want to talk about big contracts from two big athletes, two young athletes of the generation, both Kylian Mbappe and, uh, hope I said it right, Kylian Mbappe and Jalen Brown. Now, Mbappe seems like he made a transition from Paris Saint-Germain to uh, reports of him going from Paris to Saudi Arabia from soccer club Al-Hilal. He was offered like $1 billion for one year, and it seemed like $322 million trans- transfer fee and then $776 million of salary. So one billion for that one year contract. Like no one's offered, no sports team in, in the world has ever offered that kind of contract. And yet somehow he rejects that offer. For the life of me, I don't understand. Even if for one year I would have packed my stuff, go to Saudi Arabia, put all that money in my bag and keep it with me. Cause that's that's a lot of money to play football in Saudi Arabia. But I think the he has his reasons. I mean, he's 24, but it seems like he wants to go through a transfer fee, a transfer fee to Real Madrid. I don't know if the rumors are true, but there are a lot of reports circulating, whether it's on ESPN FC or other uh, sports sports websites, sports outlets ta- talking about he may go from PSG to Real Madrid. So it's becoming more and more of a possibility. I think because he's looking for a multi-year contract instead of one year. I get it. Maybe a one-year contract may not seem ideal to him, you know, in his athletic prime or entering his prime in Saudi Arabia. I mean, Saudi did manage to bring Ronaldo and they almost brought Leo Messi, despite Messi taking a trip to Saudi Arabia with his family, even still under contract with PSG and 
was it supposedly not permitted or was permitted and both clubs had to go their separate ways and now Messi is with Inter Miami and had a really big successful debut in Miami so I mean it's working out for Leo Messi in Miami plus he'll be the biggest name in Miami since Dwayne Wade so that's pretty cool but also Jalen Brown he has officially accepted the Supermax contract from the Boston Celtics for $304 million. This is the biggest contract ever in the NBA. A Supermax contract. Now, to me, the Supermax contract, I mean, it, it's they're ballooning. They're becoming more and more insane every year. I mean, I thought Nikola Jokic's contract of like 290 was a lot. In 2015, like, Mike Conley getting 153 million was insane. But it, it's becoming a possibility that even in the future, like players who get drafted by the same team seven, eight years later, they might get $400 million, which is a lot of money in sports. So how is it that Jalen Brown gets $304 million is a lot of money to play basketball. But I mean, it's because they're meant to incentivize players not to you know, request trades or go into the free agency becoming unrestricted free agents and not really think of or sign contracts to different teams. That's it. Just incentivize them not to go anywhere. Just because like no one like, I, mean, I think player movement, player mobility, it's a good thing. Not always being the same place. It's not always ideal. So I get it. Right. So I understand it for some players, but that's the whole point of the Supermax. But the Supermax really takes up teams a huge chunk of their salary cap that they have to pay for every year, especially when they have to consider luxury tax situations or be part of or be penalized on luxury tax. Uh, or even like now, the new CBA, like a second apron. So being able to afford players that are a big part of their core. And have like maximum contract money will be a lot of money. Will really will be taxing on them. I mean, as simple as that, it's just going to cost teams a lot. Even teams like the Golden State Warriors, for example, it'll cost them a lot of money just to maintain their core of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. But I don't want to get too top off topic on other sports or other teams or whatever. It's just stay with Jalen Brown because he did have a conference. Now, he's great for the money and all that, but it's not just the on-court success. He's someone that, who, he's you know, he's very well-educated. A few minutes later. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry for the interruption. There was a technical problem with the camera. And plus, uh, I had a power cut as well, so I had to take a momentarily pause and just recalibrate everything. But I was just mentioning how Jalen Brown, he's someone who cares about education and some scouts were saying before his draft for the NBA draft 2016 that you know he seems to prioritize education to a point where they don't think he cares too much about basketball, whereas he actually does. I mean, he's a two-time All-Star. So, of course, it matters. And he wants to make Boston into a black Wall Street in Boston. So he really wants to invest a lot of the money he's making for the next five years in Boston and really give back it's a you know he does care it matters a lot to him but to suggest that 
he doesn't care about basketball is insane, especially since he once said that his fifth grade teacher will look up his name and see if he's, if he's in jail, <laughs> which is hilarious because he's really successful and getting $300 million. And he's scheduled to make like 50 to 60 million a year for the next five seasons. But yeah. But um, yeah, I, I do think like for, I know I talked a lot about basketball, but for a lot of sports athletes and football, basketball, I really do think that like super max contracts or major contract offers from big teams, whether it's some team in the MLS or or in Saudi Arabia or could be in La Ligue or even Premier League, for example. I mean, look for teams to give massive offers that players will either can't refuse, can't refuse or for some crazy reason, they're going to refuse just because they have an alternative motive to go somewhere else or to go to a preferred club, you know? So I don't think it's even rare that as well, like NBA players refusing super max contracts because they want to become unrestricted free agents and explore their options and see what teams can offer the money that they're looking for or the chance to play and compete for a championship as well. So all these reasons and factors do matter, but I'll, Again, I'll try to focus a little more on sports just because I realize I don't do that enough. So that would be a really nice change for me personally. Okay, so it's been a while and, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since the release of both, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer or otherwise known as uh, Barbenheimer. And it's been pretty exciting time for cinema. Now, though especially for Warner Brothers, I mean, because Barbie has been making a lot of movie and it's helping offset the losses from The Flash. So far, like $776 million and even Oppenheimer making $400 million, but it'll make a, a lot more money and both movies critically acclaimed and very excellent films. So uh, in other words, it is a success. It's just funny how the whole thing has happened, but that's all thanks to social media. I'll talk about more about Oppenheimer next time, but in short term, in, in other words, stress-inducing, but an excellent movie. Another excellent Christopher Nolan movie, but it's still amazing. Anyhow, now regarding Barbie, um, I thought like, I actually thought Barbie was simply banned in the Middle East North African region, supposedly for LGBTQ plus content. I mean, I understand if countries like Egypt and Jordan, especially like Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Bahrain, you know, all the other, the rest of the countries ban it, you know, but I don't know if that's clearly true. I don't know what the situation is, or is it just in de a delay in those, in, in those countries in that part of the world? I mean, I, just as I was recording a segment earlier, I got a text from my sister she got to receive the post or saw a post about uh, Barbie being approved in the UAE. So I, I don't know what's going on. It's pretty cool, but I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know which countries are or not banning Barbie, but hey, cool. I mean, to be honest, I haven't been falling for the hype for Barbie as much as I've been more interested about Oppenheimer just because it's a... a biopic historical drama 
based on real facts, based on people that were a major part of history. But it is an excellent movie, a great filmmaking a masterpiece from Christopher Nolan, which I'll talk about more of another time. But yeah, you know, Barbie actually, I was just reading, has made $800 million in a box office run and may reach $1 billion before the end of the year. So Barbie, excellent in a lot of ways. You know, I thought it, um, for the movie, like really great marketing campaign for Barbie, like this Barbie is that, this Barbie does that and so forth. And a lot of people ran with it. So again, really cool of how Barbie has caught a lot of people's attention. You know, it, it looks, trailers, it, you know, the movie looks amazing, really colorful, a lot of pink as expected, but, you know, very fun vibe, very campy, I would say, like very cookie cutter, campy, maybe childlike vibe, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I, I don't want to say too girly. I just, I can't, I can't really get into it. I don't know why. But it sounds like there's a really good message behind the movie itself, you know? But I don't know. I don't know if I'm really excited about it right now. But I'd pick Oppenheimer over, over Barbie as the one to watch between the two. All right. So I said earlier that I would be reacting to some TV shows I've been watching up, catching up with lately. Uh, some of them I have mixed feelings for. Maybe a couple, I, at least one or two I liked or did not like. Actually, a couple I did not like. And most of them uh, really fascinating that I just enjoyed. Like that, um, maybe I mentioned it before, that Star Wars uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I don't know, I didn't, didn't really love it very much. It's all right. It, it's, it's not terrible by any means necessary. I just haven't loved it that much as much as I thought I would. The Boba Fett one is okay, I suppose. Now, uh, yeah, I do need to catch up on Andor and The Mandalorian, but uh, it's it's been a slowdown. But some of the Amazon Prime shows, for the most part, I really liked. Uh, the Boys, I've seen all three seasons of The Boys. Maybe I mentioned this before, but I I really like The Boys. <laughs> Gotta say that. And... Um, What's another one? Invincible. Really good. Animation, the 2D animation for Invincible is amazing. I'm just glad that there's a release date for season two. So that's a nice one. That's good to see. Um, one that came out last year, but oddly I'm seeing it a year later. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Visually amazing. Really, it looks great. Good action sequences. It's a very good story, good characters, likable characters. Uh, plot can drag a bit, even though like it's eight episodes, but an hour long for eight episodes. I mean, look, I will say this: like, as much as I like the whole setting and everything, like, if you're a super fan of the whole Middle Earth franchise from J.R.R. Tolkien, it is for you. Those who are like semi casuals, like myself, I, I mean, I like Middle Earth, but I'm not like a super fan of it. I, I still think it's great, but I don't follow it too closely. It's yeah, go ahead, wa watch it again if you didn't last year. Uh, what else? Mm. I can't believe I'm gonna admit this, but <laughs> I found myself enjoying How I Met Your Father season two. 
Uh, that one's a lot of fun. I, I know it, it was a lot more funnier than I expected it to be. Didn't need to be 20 episodes compared to first season was like 10 episodes or maybe it was like a test run to see how it went and then renewed for a second season for 20 episodes and I'm sure season three will come next year. Um, yeah, because I think most of the How I Met Your Mother episodes were like 20, at least 20 episodes, something like that. Yeah. So I guess the number of episodes expected for season two, not not shocking, but I, like, I, I don't know. I was, I found myself laughing in some moments, even more so than I thought. But I'm not going to say it's great or anything. It's not great at all or anything, but... Um, the comedic performance from Hilary Duff is just fun to watch. I mean, I, I don't know. I either I forgot how funny she is, or how surprised I am just by how funny she actually is. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't think she would be funny at all. I know she's bubbly. I like that's what I like about her. She is bubbly, but I didn't think she'd be that funny in a way. So that was a nice surprise. Um, I I also like seeing Clark Gregg again. I know I'm a fan of Clark Gregg, just how cool casual he is as Agent Coulson and both the MCU phase one films, as well as uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV spinoff. I know he's he's just cool. I just like something something about his cool, calm personality of Clark Gregg. I just like I just like that guy. He's he's just some somehow relatable in a way. Does that make sense? I, I you know, it's just one of those actors I just like watching, just how easygoing he can be and just like how he steps it up in his action performances. So that, that's just something I like about that guy. Uh, who else? Yeah, more of Leighton Meester. And that, nice to see. Uh, yeah, Sid is funny in this season. Uh, Charlie, a bit unbearable, but I mean, he, he tries to be funny. Valentina, meh, it's all right. Ellen, Ellen is cool. Ellen tries to be funny, not bad, but Ellen's kind of cool, but yeah. Or maybe Ellen just try to be too much of Ellen DeGeneres. I, I, I think so. I think that's what's going on. That's just how I'm seeing it now that I realize it. But, but yeah, I mean, it's still fun. Okay, okay. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I looks like my camera is almost running out of battery power. But I just got a few minutes. It's fine. I don't really have much else in mind in terms of other TV shows. But again, thank you so much for watching and listening to this episode from beginning to end. Please subscribe, share, follow, like, yada, yada, all that good stuff. Really do appreciate it for many of you watching and listening from beginning to end. Good day and good night.